Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, time to hit the gas pedal on modernizing government systems. A lot of them need modernization, and yet the agencies aren't really tackling that. We we need to start going after those if we're serious about this. The collaboration conundrum for the new Zero Trust strategy. The folks that are developing the networks that will bring together the end-to-end encryption that will put more internet-facing applications on have to work very much in hands with the people who are trying to describe the metadata around those networks. And what you should do with the Learning Agenda draft straight from the source. Learning agendas should be flexible, iterative, and updated regularly as evidence is built and then the results from those activities feed into new questions. It's Monday, January 31st, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The assistant to the director of the Defense Information Systems Agency is stepping down. Major General Garrett Yee will retire at the end of April. He's been at DISA since June of 2019. Contractors could request more detailed debriefings when they lose competitions if a proposed change to the federal acquisition regulations takes effect. It's one of 37 proposals the FAR Council is considering. Other proposals include small business certification and payments. Immigration and Customs Enforcement will host an industry day for IT acquisition February 17th. The solicitation on SAM.gov says the event will include briefs from the Department of Homeland Security's Acquisition Planning Forecast System. The agency will take questions for the industry day until February 7th. You can read more about these and lots of other stories at fedscoop.com. Chief information officers across government will get new measures on the next edition of the Fatara scorecard. The question is what those new measures will be. Richard Spires is principal at Richard A. Spires Consulting. He's former chief information officer at the Department of Homeland Security and the Internal Revenue Service. He's author of Success in the Technology Field, A Guide to Advancing Your Career. And he testified recently to the House Oversight Government Operations Subcommittee about the scorecard. Richard, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. You make a number of recommendations here as far as evolving the Fatara scorecard. I know you use that word evolve and not improve. Do you have a sense that we're doing pretty well with the scorecard right now and that we just need some tweaks? Is that the kind of the view that you're taking? Welcome. I well. Good to be on the show. I, I would say it's more than just tweaks, in my view. Um, I, the scorecard has definitely been beneficial, but we also have reached the point with diminishing returns, and even even uh, Representative Connolly made that point, um, and Ranking Member Heiss. We, we we need to evolve the score scorecard. I don't want to say improve because I, I think it has been a good tool. But you know, we got to get more to the heart of the issue of how you better effectively manage IT and, and better serve your customers. And that's really what my recommendations revolve around. All right. The first one you make is adding an IT modernization planning category. It's one that your uh, fellow witness, Suzette Kent, uh, talked about as well. What would you like to see that category encompass, Richard? Well, you know, we both need better planning, strategic planning that's specifically around IT that then ties to an agency strategic plan very directly. And we also need, and I I know, you know, it's kind of fallen out of favor, but, you know, enterprise architecture or the tenets of enterprise, you can call it whatever you want, but, 
you can't just start building systems, even in an agile way, willy-nilly, without having an overarching plan on how these things are going to replace legacy, the, the functionality they're going to have, how they're going to interact. These things are very important to, to get down on paper, so to speak. And uh, many agencies are just aren't doing that nearly well as, as they should. You're also proposing combining the incremental delivery and transparency and risk management categories you write into a broader delivery of IT programs category. That, uh, with all due respect to the people that created the scorecard, that makes so much sense. I'm surprised we hadn't done it already because those two elements, from my amateur understanding, are really the basis of what delivery of an IT program is all about. Absolutely. And the, the, uh, you know why they haven't been? Uh, because it's not as easy to measure. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, let, let's call a spade a spade, right? It's been, we've been hamstrung by what we quote can get good data on, which I get, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't go after. And in my mind, work to improve uh, both the measures that we use. And I think delivery of IT programs is one of the most things, important things you can measure for an IT organization that's trying to modernize. Um, but but also the you know what that goes into that so you know having a solid system development lifecycle that's actually used having good governance around how you manage these programs having the right staff that are that are actually uh, running these programs I mean all these things can be measured it just takes more work but I think work that is well worth it. All right. The next recommendation you make is another one that seems like a no-brainer, Richard, evolving the managing government technology category to a broader IT budget category. That was kind of one of the points of Fatara was to have the major leaders in the organization, the C-level leaders working together. And yet I, I don't remember, I didn't go back through all 13 scorecards, but I don't remember a measure at any particular time that specifically spoke to how this, where the spend was going and how the spend was going. Yeah, we didn't have it. And, and, you know, thank goodness we are driving towards TBM across the federal agencies. It, it is at least it gives you the taxonomy, doesn't do it by itself. Um, there's a lot of work behind it. But if you can start to really use that taxonomy, capture your costs, I mean, there's so much goodness that comes out of that. The, the major point is then to use that to be able to measure yourself. You know, how well are we really doing in providing these services? And uh, once you can start to do that, then you're in a good place to see how can we be more efficient and effective in providing these IT services. That'd be an easy one to measure, as you point out in your testimony. Agency receiving an F if there's no use of TBM, a D if an agency partially implements the taxonomy, C if an agency fully implements the taxonomy, B if an agency is using TBM to benchmark basic IT commodity services, and an A if the agency is using TBM to benchmark complex IT services. And you know what? But it seems to me that would be one that CIOs should get on board with because if they're doing what they're supposed to have been doing for the last, I guess, four or five years, they'd all get pretty good grades on that. Yeah, that what they should. Yeah, um, I, I think some would do decent. I don't think any of them are benchmarking the way that they probably should be yet. But hey, that's why you'd have a grading system like this. I think this one is an easy one to measure and could be implemented quite readily. I think a lot of folks would be doing better at that one than they did on the uh, transitioning off networks category this well, time around. So there's yeah. that. Not I don't I don't mean that as a shot. It's just a fact. <laughs> I'm looking at the scorecard as we have this conversation, Richard. All right, the last recommendation that you make 
is evolving the cybersecurity category. How would you like to see that evolve, Richard? Well, I, I think a couple of things that are really good. I mean, the executive order that came out in May around cybersecurity was well done, really puts a framework in place that agencies can move towards. Now, there's a lot of actions that CISA and others need to take that, that will give more guidance to agencies. But as that guidance matures, we could use the executive order um, as a way to start to really measure. And by the way, OMB, as you know, just issued guidance around zero trust. With, with very, very specific deadlines. Um, again, you could use that as a way to start uh, measuring how agencies are implementing these, these changes. Um, it's all good stuff. And it would be much more effective in, in actually driving improvements in agency scores. I mean, I'm sorry, in, in agency grades as to whether or not agencies are truly improving their cybersecurity uh, uh, practices and their overall cybersecurity maturity. And so then what we have right now with the FISMA scores um, and the CAP goals. So I, I think this is, a, a, I won't say it's another easy one, but it's one that you've got, you've got a lot of things in movement that could be measured that could really enhance the cybersecurity category. All right, um, you write uh, and testified, if Congress agreed to, ev the, to evolve the scorecard to the degree I'm recommending, it would probably take two years to make all the changes to the scorecard. None of these sound like they're really difficult changes, Richard. Why wouldn't you want to just do it on 14 or or, or have it done by 15? Well, I, I'd like to be, on the one hand, I, I like what you're saying about being aggressive, but I also want to be realistic. I mean, you do have to measure these things. I mean, you've got GAO, they're an auditor. Everything's got to be buttoned up. You've got to have solid data you can use. You know, some of these that I'm recommending would require probably a year to get the data in place to be able to start to measure. That's why I put two years overall. And by the way, some of these things I'm recommending, I would recommend we move to uh, not all, but some to a yearly upgrade, like measuring how effectively you deliver IT programs. You do that once a year you know, through an audit process. Okay, that, that I think would be a better way to measure it, where some of the others like the EIS transition, you should do every six months. So it'd be now a mixed scorecard where you're, some things are changing every six months, some are, are changing every year. You gave a lot of credit to the agencies and to the committee when you testified about the way that FATAR has driven success, di driven better outcomes in federal IT. And yet, um, you also said most agencies are still far from using best practices for IT management and have significant modernization challenges. How is it that we're 13 scorecards in? I'm, I'm not the best at math real fast, but it's been a while. We've been at this for a while doing these grades and we're not seeing, I mean, it sounds like we're making progress, but there's still a lot of potential out there that we haven't realized, Richard. Well, that's because, I mean, where they have measured things, things have gotten better. I mean, software licensing example, right? The data center consolidation, those are good things. But we haven't yet gotten to the meat of what's really required in government agencies, which is to modernize their IT systems. And I don't mean to modernize everything. I mean, that's partly why you do the planning, right? If, if a system's running fine and it doesn't need more functionality, don't touch it. For goodness sake, don't touch it. But where there is a need to modernize yeah, you know, we just haven't had agencies, in my mind, you know, as I keep saying, we're kind of modernizing around the edges. We, we're building these small little systems that do some things, 
but but the problem is is that the core processing systems of most of these government agencies are 20 30 40 years old and a lot of them need modernization and yet the agencies aren't really tackling that we, we need to start going after those if we're serious about this and i'm hoping that the recommendations i made about evolving the measures helps agencies in that regard or forces agencies to start to do that kind of work. Richard Spires, great insight as always. Thanks very much for coming on. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You can read Richard's testimony and see the new Fatara scorecard in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The new zero trust strategy from the Office of Management and Budget includes deadlines for every agency. It also drives collaboration among some offices that may not have worked together before like they should. Donna Roy is strategic advisor to the National Security Practice at Guidehouse. She's former chief operating officer at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, former executive director of the information sharing environment at the Department of Homeland Security. Donna, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. You wrote about the zero trust strategy on LinkedIn. And the very best part is the proposed joint work between the CDO and CISO councils. Why is that so important, Donna? Why do you think that makes this a winner? Welcome. Uh, thank you. Um, and thank you for having me again. I, um, I think the most important part of uh, any of these uh, large um, strategic initiatives is um, realizing that vision. Um, and for a long time, uh, the CISO had hard mandates um, that did not include interactions with the CDO or the precursor to the CDO, which would in DHS been the information sharing areas. And so as you read through the strategy, I see data pervasive, not just that one working group that OMB talks about, but um, the, uh, the pillar on identity. So when I was at DHS, we struggled with understanding how to harness um, data governance around the identities of people of contractors, of foreign nationals working um, within DHS, and it required a data governance strategy um, in addition to working with uh, the CISO. And so for me, this formalizes something that should have been formal um, since uh, uh, post 9-11 activities. What drives a healthy relationship between the CDO and the CISO councils and between those individual jobs in the individual agencies not just to comply with the directives in the strategy, but to actually drive a better result to drive better outcomes. Yeah, to me, there's a delicate balance of the the focus for the CDO, which is democratizing data, getting it most broadly used, but safeguarding it, and the CISO and de- developing a defense in depth. Um, to me, they will succeed um, if they don't add uh, unnecessary friction, but um, increase the depth at which we are securing the data. Um, and so the challenge of zero trust is to protect the data often without you know, adding that friction and uh, friction's built in to every one of these layers. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, the way applications and workloads. I, I listened to your podcast at Karen Evans. Uh, she talked a lot about doing it uh, within budget. Well, we have to do it within budget, but we have to sort of do it smartly. That means everyone has a piece Um, And the data piece and the security piece are hand in hand. Well, you kind of answered the question I was going to ask. So now I have to come up with another one, Donna. Sorry. No, that's great because that's that's what we're looking for is to drive these ideas forward. And and I wonder what's the holdup then? If that's something that we should have been doing all along, if that's something Mm -hmm. that was a desirable outcome all along, 
I know we can't do anything about it now because past is past, but what prevents us from making that happen in the future? Are there points of dissonance? Are there roadblocks to prevent that collaboration from happening? We think everything's a journey. And the first time you present an idea and the federal government gets behind it, you make a little progress. And the next time you make a little more progress. And so this idea of um, providing uh, access to data uh, using identity attributes goes back as far as the uh, Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Protection Act. There were attributes in that law that said you should do this. Um, and so parts of it were done. Um, I remember us installing multi-factor authentication in 2010. Uh, that's uh, 12 years ago um, in systems that were very specific to that law. Um, and so progress was made. Um, and yet uh, a whole lot of uh, progress was needed to be made in uh, the way we do modern software development, the way we um, established uh, compute and storage on cloud, right? And so you could do it in small pieces, but in order to scale, to scale at the government-wide beyond a few programs or projects aimed at the terrorism issue, uh, other pieces had to fall in place. We had to make progress. Um, now, I believe um, with this strategy, we can scale way beyond the original intent of some of the work that I did when I was there. How would you measure success of this strategy and how soon would you feel comfortable trying to measure the success of it, Donna? We think the, you need to measure the success of this strategy almost quarterly. There are so many bits and pieces that need to be put in place that if you don't measure success uh, frequently, um, uh, you won't stay connected. The identity work won't stay connected to the data pillar. Um, again, I'm so encouraged that, that the CISO and the CDOs will have to work together because of the OMB mandate. They will find other reasons to work together as well. They'll need each other for progress in many of these. And so if you look about identity, we all agree that's about data around people, governing that data around people. Um, the devices, uh, data around the devices, um, a lot of it comes partly from the CDM program and all of the uh, collection. But when you get that data, it doesn't then tell you uh, which FISMA system it's part of, or um, it, there's a whole lot more that has to be integrated into that data to make it useful. Um, and so uh, in the logging requirements uh, on top of that, mean that the, the way we architected data systems um, in the security realm um, means a marriage between those two disciplines um, is uh, about time. All right. Um, what else uh, do you see here? Are there unintended consequences maybe, or are there uh, potential uh, other roadblocks that you see that could pop up or anything like that, Donna? I think it's changing the way people think about how we engage in IT um, and bringing together the multiple disciplines, the, the folks that are developing the networks that will bring together the end-to-end -end encryption that will put more internet-facing applications on have to work very much in hand with the people who are trying to describe the metadata around those networks so that we can understand where it is in the zero trust path. And so I think the, the um, barriers are related to the integration of the disciplines on a common goal. And I think that if we can um, have uh, shared interests um, across those disciplines, I think you'll start to make progress. Shared interest and accountability for progress um, on an interim basis will, will really drive uh, that path forward. I think progress is possible with focus and accountability and um, some very specific goals that OMB has laid out here in this strategy. 
Donna Roy, great insight as always. Thank you for coming on, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to our next opportunity. You can read more about the Zero Trust strategy in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Coming on Tuesday's show, the Chief Information Officer of the Energy Department, Ann Duncan. She has big cyber plans for this year, and she'll tell you about them tomorrow. That Daily Scoop podcast debuts Tuesday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. president's management agenda vision includes three main pillars for agencies to work toward strengthening the federal workforce better customer experience and managing the business of government are the three areas the white house is driving in this highlight of an event the national academy of public administration hosted friday about the pma nichelle johnson billups and diana epstein of the office of management and budget connected the pma to the new draft learning agenda and the evidence act Michelle Johnson Billups says OMB wants to use the learning agenda to identify research questions that support the PMA. We want to really prioritize those key questions, spur some research, um, and and figure out a way to get those results to inform the decision making that that is to come. So, with that, um, as Dustin mentioned, there is actually a draft of the PMA learning agenda up. I know that. NAPA has submitted questions, but individuals are welcome to, to do so too. There's a survey on the performance deck of website, a touchpoint survey that will be open through Monday. We certainly encourage folks to provide suggestions there for questions they think we should keep, um, questions they think that we should revise. This effort is all also complementary to the agency learning agendas um, that will be released. We're looking to to make sure that there's some coordination and um, truly lift up the efforts around evidence building that have happened thus far. So with that, um, the, I can, I'll mention the three learning areas of focus. I think that that might be helpful here too. So the first one will sound very familiar. It is around the federal workforce. Um, how can the federal government strengthen and empower the workforce so that it can best support and serve the American people? The second learning area of focus is how can the federal government deliver programs and services effectively and build trust? And the third learning area of focus is how can the federal government advance equity and support underserved communities? So within each of those three areas, there are example questions and and we'll be looking to finalize that in the coming months. Um, So with that, I guess I will turn it back over to Dustin. No, no, am I turning it to Diana? Diana, yeah, please. Diana yeah, yeah, Diana, yes. We need you now to talk about those those evidence-building efforts. Thanks. Okay, great. Um, well, thanks, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with you all today. Um, my name is Diana Epstein. I lead the evidence team at OMB. Um, we promote, you know, evidence-based policymaking throughout the federal government, and we've been spending a, a good chunk of the last three years helping to lead implementation of Title I of the Evidence Act. Um, so I thought with with the time I have, I'd give you all just a quick overview of what federal agencies have been up to lately in terms of evidence building, particularly as it relates to implementing some of those key provisions of the Evidence Act. So, you know, of course, many agencies were already building and using evidence prior to the Evidence Act. Um, but this new law passed, you know, almost three years ago or actually three years ago now has has really accelerated and amplified the work. Um, and the Evidence Act is centered on the idea that evidence-based policymaking really needs systematic planning um, and that we also need 
strong data governance to use federal data assets effectively. And we also need really coordinated support to share that data effectively um, while protecting privacy and confidentiality. Um, it emphasizes collaboration and coordination across functions, which is something we've also been trying to do much better at OMB. Um, and it puts a, in place a more strategic approach to building evidence. As part of that, uh, the Evidence Act requires agencies to produce their own multi-year learning agendas. And we've really made that um, our, the foundation of our approach to evidence building. So for those of you who aren't as familiar, um, the learning agenda, it's a systematic plan for identifying and addressing priority questions relevant to the programs, policies, and regulations of an agency. So you can think about it as a strategic evidence building plan. And it focuses agency attention on the evidence that they need to solve big problems. So the idea is to, for, for agency leaders and diverse stakeholders to help identify both their evidence needs and their evidence gaps. So the idea is really for, for them to be asking, what is it that our agency needs to do? What do we need to know to do it best? And, and what do we wish we knew? And importantly, this isn't supposed to be, you know, sort of a one and done static document. The learning agenda should be flexible, iterative, and updated regularly as evidence is built. And then the results from those activities feed into new questions. Um, you know, I think Dustin mentioned this a minute ago, but learning agendas actually by law are part of agency strategic plans. And we've said from the start that they should be aligned with an agency's strategic goals and objectives. And this offers a new framework in which evidence building priorities are aligned with strategy and they're envisioned together from the start. So importantly for our discussion today, we've been really explicit in our work with agencies and our, our official guidance and saying that agency learning agendas should include both mission strategic and operational questions. And it's those more operational questions in many cases that are going to align um, in many cases with the priorities of the PMA learning agenda and support the questions in the PMA learning agenda. So there is you know, a real tight link and, and hopefully alignment there. Um, so where are we in the process? So agencies have been working on their first full learning agendas for the past uh, two and a half years or so. Um, and they'll be submitting their final drafts to OMB very soon. Uh, they've also been finalizing their fiscal year 23 annual evaluation plans, and that's a related planning document that they'll be doing every year focused on significant program evaluations. So this is a really huge milestone. It, um, you know, it really is, and our agency partners should be applauded for just a ton of hard work that it's taken to get to this point. Um, as Dustin mentioned, the agency learning agendas will also publish in the spring. They're required to be public documents, so they're going to be posted on agency websites and linked in a central location on the new evaluation.gov website, uh, which I hope you'll check out if you haven't already. We've already got a lot of great content up there. Um, so this really does promote transparency and accountability. It's also a great opportunity for researchers and funding partners to easily see what are the priority questions that you know, specific agencies are trying to answer and then align their own research portfolios to help answer those questions. We really hope this is the beginning of many new and productive partnerships. Um, you know, I know that these kinds of partnerships can be challenging, uh, but I'm hopeful that this new transparent way for agencies to signal their evidence building priorities will help to break down some of those longstanding barriers and facilitate the kind of dialogue and engagement that we're aiming for. Uh, and, and with the group here today, I mean, that's something I'm very interested in hearing from you all too. So how can we do that most effectively?
Diana Epstein of the Office of Management and Budget at a National Academy of Public Administration event Friday. You can find a link to watch the entire event in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Tuesday on the Daily Scoop Podcast, Ann Duncan, the CIO of the Energy Department. That show debuts Tuesday afternoon. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.